Hello, friends and colleagues. It is Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, podcast number 61, all about student retention, or should I say family retention. If you are working with young singers, it's mom and dad that decide whether or not they are going to continue their investments in music lessons. Now, if you're working with older students, don't worry, I have great strategies for the adults as well. All here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on another Full Voice podcast. And if you are listening to this podcast at the time of release, well, I would like to send a heartfelt happy Thanksgiving to all my friends and colleagues in the U.S. I hope that this weekend is just wonderful with friends and family and food and uh, loved ones. I'm wishing you uh, an amazing holiday weekend. I also want to shout out uh, because I am super thankful for the my friends and colleagues uh, on the Voice Teachers for Young Singers Facebook forum. Thank you, everyone, for being so supportive, for asking great questions. Um, you know, I, truthfully, I was a little hesitant to start a Facebook group because, unfortunately, uh, some people do not know how to internet. And um, I was worried that, that you know, things could get nasty or people could be unkind because it happens, but it does not happen on our forum. I'm so pleased with how supportive and, and caring everybody is. You know, teaching is hard enough without having to take abuse from your colleagues. So thank you to everybody on our forum for being so awesome, asking great questions. Shout out to everybody wherever you are. So today's topic is student retention. Uh, Something I've been thinking about a little bit, but I'm also going to include um, student participation. That's right, getting getting our, our families, our students to actually participate in the opportunities that we offer them within our teaching studio. Um, so, and I, and I do believe that retention and participation kind of go hand in hand because it's often the students that aren't taking advantage of all the amazing things we offer like recitals or coffee houses or maybe, maybe your studio participates in festivals or examinations. Um, when our students aren't really engaged in that, it, I feel that it doesn't take long for them to lose interest in general and then um, quit. So that's kind of the focus of the, well, it's not kind of, it is the focus of the podcast today. And I've got, um, I've got three topics. Um, so three topics that I want to touch on. The first one is uh, I, basically niche marketing, finding your ideal client, the person that you really want to work with. Um, number two is setting up your business in a way that serves everybody. And the third one, and I think the biggest one, is communication, better communication. And I've got some really great uh, things to share with you. Uh, but I want to go back to the very beginning. And student retention is a big deal. In our teaching studios, if you are a independent private music teacher and somebody quits, uh, drops out of your studio, not only does it leave a hole in your schedule, um, 
it also can leave a substantial hole in your bank account. So we want to make sure that to the best of our ability, we have job security and income security. Now, truthfully, um, and I'm just you know, sharing something that David, Dave Ramsey talks about there. Nobody has job security. (laughs) Um, There's always things that can happen that are completely outside of our control that can really affect our businesses. That my friends is a whole other podcast, but um, I'm not talking today about the things that are outside of our control. We can lose students due to um, illness, severe illness. I've recently lost a a dear student. Um, He is in the hospital. Um, uh, and uh, I'm, he actually had a brain hemorrhage. And I'm sending all my love out to Max and his family. Um, but I've also had families, um, uh, I've also had families that, you know, a parent has lost a job or um, there's been an emergency. And I also had a student last year that moved to Australia. <laughs> I'm not making that up. She went to live with her dad who got a job in Australia. So she's been there for six months. Now, fortunately, the mom was super supportive and she did give me a couple of months heads up. She also informed the father that uh, if that wasn't enough time, he was responsible for paying for any missed lessons, but uh, it didn't work out. Like They didn't have to do that. Um, but yes, we can lose students. Um we can lose students for many different reasons. I'm not talking about the ones that are outside of our control today. I'm talking about the ones that are within our control. So um, this this is a challenge for all of us. Now, for those of you, uh, student retention might not be a problem. If you are teaching in a lesson education center or you're working uh, in a teaching studio, a multi uh, a multi teacher teaching studio, um, you might not have to worry about this at all. When I taught uh, for many years at a music education center, I never had to worry about losing a student because they had massive wait lists, and um, I just there was a new student in that spot the very next week. So if that is you, if you are working um, somewhere where you always have an inc- uh, an inflow of students, um, awesome. But this is still going to apply to you because we are talking about participation. And we're also talking about even if you do have a good turnover of students and you, you always have new students, the amount of effort that it takes to get settled with a new student I don't know about you, but I find it exhausting getting to know them, getting comfortable with them, that they have to get comfortable with you. Yeah, there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of questions. So I think it's in everybody's interest to to try and keep their students as long as possible. So, um, so starting with our um, three topics today. Uh, oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention, um, when we're talking about when we're talking about uh, students, student retention and students quitting, if you're working with kids, okay, it's not that it's not your students that quit, it's the parents. So we're really talking about also, you know, the, our relationship with the people that we do business with, not just the student that is standing beside our piano singing the vocal warm ups. So I've got some strategies for that as well. So topic number one is finding uh, or attracting and finding your ideal 
student, your ideal client. This also could be called niche marketing. Um, When you uh, know which student you just work so well with, that is so fantastic. Um, We, I know that many of you Uh, are quite capable of probably teaching almost anybody. Many of us have been teaching for a long time. We've got a great background, lots of experience. But who is it that you really enjoy working with? That is something we need to think about. Now, for those of you, you're just getting started in your teaching studios, you might not know exactly who that is. In my first years of teaching, I got everybody and anybody and it was an incredible education. I was, I always say I was thrown in, I was thrown to the wolves. Um, But it was a great, uh, it was a great experience. I I got hands-on experience working with all ages. But as I had more and more experience, I started to identify the students that I best worked with, the students that I really connected with. So if you are thinking about your teaching schedule right now, who is it? Who is it that you just love? Which lessons do you look forward to? And conversationally, which lessons do you dread? (laughs) So if we can identify the student that we love, We need to put that information into our marketing materials, into our social media accounts. If anybody goes to the uh, Full Voice Instagram account, you will see lots of pictures of smiling kiddos because, as you know, I love working with the littles and I love working with beginners. So I have lots of pictures of of the students that I I love to work with. Um, And this um, this is so important. Um, I think for teachers um, who know exactly who they want to work with, it's much easier to structure your year's studio events. So if you know that you have a certain demographic, you can offer performance opportunities, workshops, and you can even plan your professional development around serving your ideal clients. And I think that's so important. Professional development, going to conventions, taking courses, you know, even, you know, getting an, an expensive textbook on Amazon. Um, so much easier if you know who you want to work with. So uh, niche marketing, identifying the people that you'd love to work with is so important. And your copy the words, the text on your website should really speak to how excited you are to work with that demographic. Your website and your Facebook page should also talk about the environment, the uh, your teaching philosophy, um, the atmosphere of your teaching studio, um, and it should also celebrate the events and the opportunities in your studio so that people who are looking for a teacher will be able to quickly identify without even wasting your time in a conversation about who you love to work with and whether or not you are a good fit for them. So identifying who you want to work with first Uh, goes a long way in keeping them in your studio and participating in your studio events. Now, for those of you who might be transitioning, 
maybe you've been working with a demographic for a while and you've discovered that there's other students, there's other demographics that you really connect with. Um, for the longest time, I just worked with um, kids uh, and I had mostly um, students like six was the youngest and then up to just before they go to university was kind of my main demographic. But over the last few years, I have absolutely adored uh, working with older adults, avocational adults who these are not career minded singers. They are people that are coming back to singing. Um, they're singing in choirs. There's actually a couple of adult choirs locally that I work with a lot of their singers and I really enjoy it. I'm really enjoying this, the challenges and helping them reconnect with their voices. I really love it. So I updated my marketing materials to welcome these people. And that's, that's the best way I could say it. I welcome these people into my studio. And uh, I, I love working with them. The other thing that's worked really well is that my recitals can feature both the kids and the adults. I have enough adults that they won't feel out of place singing at a recital that have younger singers. And it's a great evening of music. The young students appreciate uh, listening to older singers and the uh, older singers love being part of the energy of with the families. It's a really lovely event and I make sure that um, I structure my events to to accommodate those uh, demographics in my teaching studio. So if you know who you like to work with or if like I said if you're transitioning and you're just figuring it out make sure you update your marketing materials to welcome those students into your teaching studio and I can't I can't exactly remember where I heard this, uh, but it's a good thing. Um, a really well-written copy, well, well-written copy um, uh, should really do that. It should attract your ideal client, your customer, your student, and it should deter people who are not your ideal client. And if you can kindly and carefully write that. It saves you so much time um, screening out your students. Now, point number two that I have is all about how we set up our businesses, how we structure our policies and um, the services that we offer uh, has a lot to do with um, student retention as well. And I love what my dear friend Michelle Marquart Defoe said in the last podcast, podcast number 60. Uh, we were talking about the challenges that we face in our teaching studios, depending on our age, a really heartfelt, honest conversation. Um, uh, she said, we cannot use our policies as a Captain America shield that we are going to hide behind. In fact, policies, it's really important to remember that policies shouldn't be approached as one-sided. Yes, policies should be created to support you, the teacher, and to set guidelines um, to how you want your business to run and expectations, but policies should also support and be fair to the families that are doing business with you. Uh, so an example of that for me personally in my teaching studio 
um, is the fact that no, I do not offer makeup lessons. I will not extend my teaching week uh, to um, offer missed lesson opportunities. However, I do have a tuition-based policy which has flex weeks built into the school year, into the teaching year, where if someone misses a lesson, and that could include me, if there's a snow day or if there is a day where I am sick, I can then use the flex days as a way to make up that lesson. Now, I also give my families the opportunity to use the online scheduler to book or reschedule a missed lesson. And this is fantastic. However, my families have to take the initiative to to remember their password, to log into the schedule, and then to book something. And again, there's some communication there and I can help my families do that. But policies need to work for both parties. And sometimes we lose students because uh, our policies are not a good fit for that family. Maybe they did not understand the policies. I think it's really important for us to verbally talk through the policies and face-to-face ask questions. Do you understand? And this is how it works. Um, Because sometimes student retention comes down to the fact that they didn't read your policies and they didn't understand your policies and now they're angry because they think they're supposed to get something but they don't. I know that we've all dealt with this. I know I still have some parents that don't really understand the tuition model. Um, And I know that as soon as their child is going to be absent, I'm going to have to go through it again. I don't mind doing that. I think that the policy is fair. I think it represents both sides. They just need to understand how it works. So um, policies and how we set up our businesses goes a long way in keeping families engaged in our teaching studios. Um, Now, one of the things I have started doing this year, um, talking about our adult students. So um, the challenge with adult singers um, is that they tend to be inconsistent in attendance. Um, We've all had that student that's come for one lesson and then never come back. That is unfortunate and it's a huge waste of your time. At least that's how I feel. Um, And even though what I used to do was I used to say, uh, you know, please commit, you know, try to stick it out for a month. And they would say, sure. But then they'd have two lessons and they were like, well, I got busy. So I love what a lot of teachers are doing, which are offering lesson packages. Lesson packages are a great opportunity, not only for the the student, but also for the teacher. So with my avocational adults, um, I offer four, six, and eight week pass packages. If they, they're going to pay more per lesson for the four lesson package than they are for the six or for the eight. Um, so it encourages them to commit to a longer time period, which is fantastic. And the packages have to be paid up front. And this motivates the adults to stick with it. It also deters anybody who deep down inside knows that they won't be able to commit to that type of uh, timeline. 
I don't have to worry about them getting started and then not being able to continue. They, they kind of self-filter themselves out. And I love, I love this package. It's working so well. I have a handful of adults that have bought these packages. They are loving the lessons. Now, interestingly, uh, it's usually by the third or fourth lesson that things really start to get going. It takes a while. It takes a while to figure out the student. It takes a while for you to know their voice, to get to understand their voice. It takes them a while to get comfortable with you. And I find when you get to lesson three, lesson four, everything starts to flow. And I love that they've committed to the eight-week package because then we're really going to get into the, the, the juicy stuff in the next few weeks. And I already have students who are excited for their next package. They've already told me, hold this spot. I'll buy another eight packages. This is working out really well. So um, package deals and those kind of offerings can really um, offer um, some some security and uh, some commitment from students who tend to maybe not always commit. And uh, if you're you're interested, um, my adult packages, these I put at the like at the beginning of my day, my prime time lesson spots like three, three uh, thirty, and then up to nine o'clock at night are still reserved for my weekly tuition students. Um, which and it works out perfectly because this, the adults that I'm working with, some of them are retired or semi-retired, and then I have uh, two wonderful singers who uh, are self-employed. So they they can kind of schedule it around their lessons and it's working out so well. So these package deals are really helping to um, create some security. It's also getting them over that hump, the inse- the these awkward first couple of lessons. And um, I want to shout out to uh, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, who's always talked about lesson packages. She offers several different types of lef- lesson packages in her teaching studio. Now, the other, the other person I want to shout out to is, uh, again, also a podcast guest, Shannon Coates. Um, Shannon Coates offered um, six-week trial packages if she wasn't sure if families weren't sure that was a good fit and she was also looking at it as a um, way to screen the students so to make sure that the family was on board with how she was teaching and that it was a good fit so again um, one free lesson isn't really going to tell anybody anything and you're going to get those people that are looking for a free lesson so I love that six-week committed trial package so Shannon does that in her teaching studio Um, and I know Shannon also does tuition packages so shout out to um to Shannon, to Michelle, uh, for those great business policy ideas. Now I do want to move into um, I think which is the, the the biggest challenge for all of us and the reason that we lose students. Um, and that is communication. Oh, there it is. Let's just have a moment of silence and appreciate that communication is so challenging. It is probably one of the most difficult things and it not just in business relationships but personal relationships communication is really hard we can all work on our communication skills 
we can all become better communicators. Um, and efforts into better communication within your teaching studio are fantastic return on investments. We can really, um, really serve our students better uh, with, uh, with better communication. The challenge is that uh, we have so many ways of communicating, email, texting, Facebook Messenger. Uh, you know, nobody wants to talk on the telephone anymore. And I have to admit, when my telephone rings, when my when the telephone rings, I'm kind of offended. Like, who's calling me? Do you feel that way? Like, what are you doing calling me? And the, or when somebody calls you, you think something bad has happened. Like if I get a phone call from a parent, I get worried because is somebody sick? Did there was there an accident? Are you quitting lessons? So it's funny how how the the phone call is now no longer uh, a comfortable medium for most of us. Um, and then, of course, the best form of communication is always face-to-face. And I truly believe, especially for those of you who are working with kids, we cannot have an intimate relationship with someone's child and not know the parents well. I think that's inappropriate. And I also think we're only getting one side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and I have some examples to share with you about that. So um, communication, how we how we uh, give parents feedback about their students. Now I know, <laughs> I know, and I'm I'm sharing. Uh, uh, not a, it's not my proudest moment. I know sometimes at the end of my day when I'm, I log into my music staff and I'm doing the attendance and I'm sending out the lesson notes, I do have a tendency to rush because I just taught for like seven hours and I'd really like to go home. Um, I don't personally feel comfortable typing out lesson notes in the lesson with the student. I know some of you do that. It's totally cool. I should probably do that. But I, I like to kind of do it at the end of the day. But I'm truthfully, I rush. I rush. I, I, uh, I glance at my notes. I, you know, new repertoire. Uh, listen to this track. Here's a link. Here's your accompaniment track. Uh, have a great week. That is not the best form of communication. Now, I do believe that lesson notes are really important for families um, and for teachers. For me, if I didn't write lesson notes, I would not remember. And I just, oh, I don't know anybody else out there. I, at the end of the day, after I've taught, sometimes I struggled to remember what I did that day with my students. When I first started teaching, I had far more students. I had so many more students when I was a, a young teacher. And I, I would write notes in their dictation books, but I wouldn't keep notes for myself because I could remember everything. I could remember the bar that we finished at. I could remember exactly where we went to in the song. That is not the case for me anymore. That is not. <laughs> there are days where a student will walk in and I'll be like, hey, you cute kid. Oh, Abby, there you are. Okay. Sometimes my brain just does not work. I, I truly believe that my brain is full. And anyhow, so lesson notes um, and blasting the lesson notes to the families. The lesson notes are just a quick reminder 
of what was assigned in the lesson. That's not necessarily communicating much. And um, sometimes we need to go a step further. This is one of the reasons why I love having parents in the teaching studio. Now, I know some of you are cringing. I know some of you are shaking your head. You're saying, no, no, no. Parents in the lesson, it's distraction. The kids don't like singing in front of their parents. It's not a good fit for me. Respectfully, it may not be. And and I do too enjoy when parents drop the kids off or when parents sit in the lounge that is just down the hall from my teaching studio. Um, and most of my parents um, will do both. Sometimes they'll be in the lesson asking questions and supporting. And sometimes they will be down the hall and talking on their phone or working on the computer. Um, I, they have both options. And um, But one thing I want to say you know, we we're, we always talk about these productive lessons, right? A productive lesson. What is a productive lesson? Is it where we do so many warm-ups, we sing a song, we have a vocal breakthrough, uh, we discuss, uh, or we do some sight singing, maybe a bit of ear training. We all have a different um, idea of what a productive lesson is. Um, but if the student doesn't have the support at home, if mom and dad are not really aware of what's going on or what was done or said or sung in our lesson, um, your productive lesson really wasn't that productive. Because if they can't take that information home and go over it and review it, if the parents can't say, hey, your teacher was, you had to sing that other song. Can you sing that other song right now for me? If parents don't have that kind of information, they can't guide their kids at home. So really, was it a productive lesson at all? I think we have to ask ourselves that. We need to, um, we need to have parents involved. They need to be part of it. And uh, now for my, um, for my vocal class, my introductory vocal class, my studio is not big enough to have parents sit in it because I've got six kids per class. So I spend um, I spend much more time uh, crafting emails and uh, letting parents know what we do in each lesson. Sometimes, not every week, but uh, at least a couple of times in um, the uh, term. I do eight weeks of uh, each each little term for the vocal class. I will record a couple of videos and just to share with moms and dads and I send it to them via email so that they can see their kids having fun and smiling and singing and because some of the kids won't sing at home some of the kids are always singing at home but some of the kids aren't and so it's really helpful parents love to watch their children having fun. Did you know that? Yes, we do. So if you can share that kind of information, that goes a long, long way. And um, there's uh, a few students in my introductory vocal classes who uh, specifically signed up because they wanted to help their child build their confidence. In fact, um, one of the students in my class, it was the classroom teacher who recommended to the mom that she participate in some sort of activity that would help her build her confidence. So, because uh, the student wasn't talking in class, she wasn't volunteering, uh, she wasn't putting her hand up, she wasn't answering, she didn't want to speak in class. So um, uh, the mom had specific goals and specific reasons for being in the class. 
I was more than happy to take the time to uh, provide the mom with uh, some feedback, especially in the beginning. And especially when I noticed how more relaxed the student was and how more active they became in the class and, and they started to participate and they were really having some fun. They made some friends. So I was really really happy to give her that feedback. And in reaching out to the mom and sharing that information, she was then um, really excited to tell me, yes, the classroom teacher has noticed a difference. She said to keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, we're going to keep her in the vocal classes for as long as she's old enough to be in the vocal classes. We're really seeing progress. Thank you so much. So it's really great to get that feedback, to give feedback and to get that feedback. Um, the mom also wrote me a beautiful testimonial for my website about the classes, um, just saying how much they appreciate the, uh, the opportunity and that their daughter's really enjoying the class. So win-win for everybody. Now, I want to, I want to shout out um, and I want to share. Oh, before I do that, I also want to talk about the dads. I made a huge mistake in my teaching studio a little while ago. And um, I don't I don't even know why. But it's just one of those, uh, those default things we don't think about. So with my vocal class, um, one of the moms, I was sending out the weekly emails to the moms. Sound familiar? And one of the moms was, could you kindly um, add my husband's email to your mailing list because he would really like to know about the class. And I was so happy to do that. But I also felt really bad because I don't know why I didn't do that in the first place. And I have a lot of dads that are very interested in their daughter's activities and and in supporting their daughters sometimes we make a, a judgment call or it's just we think only one person in the family is interested and uh, so I have recently um, gone into my music staff I've reached out to all my families I've asked for dad's emails because it's often just one family person that gets emailed and uh, this is this has been very helpful sometimes um, if now sometimes obviously it may just be one family whether the like the family is is um, not together or uh, for whatever reasons but I think most times we can get both parents involved and again that goes a long way in our communication in being able to ex- to tell people the the value of their investment um, letting both parents know about the development of their student is so important. And I don't think it's just private teachers that do this. I know that for my son's baseball, I was the one who signed him up for baseball this term. So I'm the only one getting the emails. So I've asked them to add Sean onto their email list. It's not an issue, but you have to kind of request it. So if you haven't been including both parents in your communication, and it seems appropriate to do so, I highly recommend it. I think it's so important. Um, if we alienate one of the parents, uh, it, it's it's easier 
um, for students or parents to decide to discontinue because one of the parents has no clue what's going on. So yeah, you want to quit? No problem. Anyhow, so shout out to dads who uh, are super supportive. Oh, and I also wanted to share with everybody, got a beautiful email from one of the dads thanking me for all the um, uh, all the great things that his daughter was doing. He really appreciated that uh, I had given her a safe space to learn how to sing and, and a wonderful place for her to um, sing with her friends. And that that email touched me. It might have made me cry. It was really beautiful. So don't forget to get the dads involved um, if it's appropriate. So now, um, as I finish up, I want to share, I want to shout out, and I want to share a really great, great article. So first of all, shout out to my dearest friend, Kristen Coffee Rondeau. Uh, such an inspiring friend. I wish you lived closer. Um, she is just so good, uh, just sharing great resources. Um, so Kristen shared uh, an article, a blog article written by um, Wendy Stevens. I love Wendy Stevens. Wendy Stevens is a piano teacher. Uh, she is the mastermind behind her website, composecreate.com. She's a composer. She's also responsible for those rhythm cups, Thank you, Wendy. Um, I love Wendy's blog. She Her business articles are spot on, and she really speaks to the nitty-gritty, I think, in our teaching studios. Now, yes, she's gearing them towards private piano teachers, uh, but I think that this applies to anybody in the independent private music teaching studio. So she had an article about how to become an indispensable piano teacher. Now, again, I think this applies to any of us teaching private lessons. Um, but she was sharing her frustration um, and her observations about how she felt about her uh, son's um, school teachers and how some years she felt that the teacher was really amazing. And some years she felt that the teacher was not, but she didn't really have any justification for that that opinion because her son was progressing fine. And I really, re I really related with this article because this is exactly what my husband and I have gone through with our son. He's had some really amazing teachers, and he's had some teachers that we're not sure about, and. I love this article. She I'm, and I'm going to read a little bit from it, but I'm going to also put a link to this article on the podcast page so you can check it out. But Wendy Stevens, you can find her fantastic blog at composecreate.com. So, um, so I'm just going to cut to the chase here. So what what is the difference between a decent teacher and an amazing teacher? I love what she says, so I'm just going to read it out loud. So um, what was the difference in decent and wonderfully indispensable? The answer was simply communication. Love it. I agree. The teachers that I thought were wonderful and indispensable were the ones that regularly communicated with me about my child and my child's progress. They were the ones that regularly told me what they were doing, what they were thinking, and how I could support them and help my child. And I'm going to continue with her article here. The teachers who never sent me emails 
except email blasts that went to the whole class, and those who didn't send appropriate length responses to inquiries I sent them were the ones I thought were not very good teachers. So even though I knew that they were teaching my child and that their teaching must be effective because of the results, I still subconsciously thought they were not very good teachers. I still questioned whether the other class had a better teacher. I still second-guessed what they were doing with their time. That is from... How to Be an Indispensable Piano Teacher by Wendy Stevens on her blog. I highly recommend you check out that whole article. Communication, personal communication, and feedback about your child is so important. I totally related with this article because I too have gone through this with the school teachers, and I'm not I'm not bashing any school teachers. I think they they most of them do amazing jobs and they don't get the credit enough credit for what they do um but it's november and since september my son has had three teachers between reshuffling large class sizes reorganizations within the school and this happens every year but that's how many teachers my son has had now i have to say I feel better about all this nonsense of reorganization because his his new teacher, who is, I'm doing air quotes here, supposed to be his uh, permanent teacher, has been very good at reaching out and communicating. She just sent home a thing saying, thank you so much. I'm getting settled. I'm getting to know your kids. We have a really good rapport. I'm setting up the blog. We'll be able to access it and you'll be able to do this, this, and this. That really makes me feel better. And she's been sending out notes and writing in his little journal. And I can only imagine a teacher coming in kind of mid-year or at the beginning of the year after the school year started has a lot on their plate. So both my husband and I are feeling far more confident that my son's going to have a great year of school. And it all comes down to communication. So perhaps over this lovely Thanksgiving weekend, you can reflect on how often you're reaching out, how often you're sharing the good things. Sometimes the only communication we have with our families is, where's my money and your your son didn't practice. I hope that's not the case for you. And I hope you can spend some time uh, looking and thinking about how you can reach out and contact uh, and, and connect with your pet families, uh, whether it's through email, whether it's through face-to-face, which I highly recommend, but um, really getting to know um, one, getting to know and, and to communicate. Now, I want to share just a, a few other little things that have popped up in my teaching studio and and why I'm very thankful for face-to-face relationships. And again, another thing about student um, uh, retention has to do with understanding when students' goals have changed. So I have um, several students right now who have just started high school. And um, they have gone uh, from being very, very <laughs> uh, focused students with defined goals. They, they were auditioning for musicals. Some of them were, were doing vocal examinations. Well, now they've just started high school 
And they are still transitioning. They are still getting used to a new curriculum at school, new friends, um, new pressures. And if it wasn't for the face-to-face conversations with moms and dads, I might not have been aware of the stress that was happening. And I'm glad that we had this conversation because we've put, we've, we've reevaluated our goals If I had kept those students on the original plan, which was to do an exam or to do this or to do that, I don't think they would have made it to the end of the year. And I wouldn't have known about this had I not had a conversation with mom and dad. Because sometimes when you talk to kids, they'll tell you that everything's fine. Um, So we've been able to reestablish new goals that are still educational. We're not kind of working as as diligently towards an assessment, but we're still working on great things in the studio. So again, that communication allows us to see when a student's uh, interest is waning. There might be really good reason for that. They might be. They might need a different um, a different objective, and they might need you to not nag them about practicing. Um, and that again comes from communication. So I just wanted to share that with everybody because that just happened recently. And I'm so thankful that we got to talk about it. And the student was absolutely relieved like almost in tears relieved that we could change our plans up and we're going to do some fun things. We're going to do some, we're going to do some, um, uh, some new musical theater stuff. No pressure. It's not for an audition. It's just something fun to sing. And, uh, and some other, some other cool things. Um, one of my students is just going to bring in her ukulele and, and show me some of the songs she's been working on. I think that's great. So, when you are um, communicating with people in your teaching studio, you can then be aware of when um, the goals have to change and what is happening outside of, of uh, your teaching studio that does have an impact on your teaching studio. Anyhow, I want, I'm going to stop there. But before I go, I want to tell everybody that next week on the podcast, my wonderful dearest friend, Nate Plummer, is uh, is joining me and he is sharing his um his expertise on how to pick the best musical theater audition songs. He has some great strategies. We had a fun conversation and um, I can't wait for you to uh, hear all about it. I know many of you are always working on audition pieces. Like when are we not working on audition pieces? But Nate has some great strategies, some great guidelines for all of us. So... As always, I am wishing you an incredible day of teaching and happy singing. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Made my canoe music. Canoe music.ca.